all God's children said, amen, amen. Brothers and sisters, this morning, we are so grateful to be with you today. Believe it or not, four years later, it's our four-year anniversary this weekend of uh, Grace Life Church. We turned four. Four years old. Uh, ready for preschool. Yes, absolutely. The... Um, the privilege that we've all had to be together to worship God and to really be a part of his kingdom um, is brought to us solely by God's goodness and God's grace as we have trusted him to lead us, to guide us over these last four years together. And this morning, we want to take a special moment. Uh, we are going to have some of our pastor and our shepherding team. We have uh, some videos from them. We also have uh, something from Joe and I. And then we're going to replay the very first message that Joe ever taught. It was in the book of Philippians, but it was called The Grace Life. I believe he also turned it into a book. I think that was the one. <laughs> but we are so happy and so grateful. We wish we could be together to celebrate, but we can't. But we know that our hearts and minds are connected today in celebration of, it's not us. It's what God has done through us and will continue to do in and through us as we live the grace life together. So I hope you enjoy this morning and we'll see you after our videos are done. When I think of Grace Life Church, I think of people who are excited to come together to worship, who are eager to learn more about God's Word, and who really are dedicated to service, uh, to taking care of people. I just see so much love and compassion here, and that's probably the thing I love most about my Grace Life Church family. Hi, I'm Sam, one of your shepherds here at Grace Life Church. And I can't believe that we are celebrating four years together. What a four years it has been. I love so many things about Grace Life. I love our people. I love you guys. You guys make this so special. I love the way we love one another and serve one another. I also love the fact that we're out serving our community. We have an awesome food pantry. We have our Grace Life recovery team that is out there walking alongside people every single day. I also think our biblical teaching is outstanding. Our Sunday sermons, our Bible studies help us all to walk the grace life. It's been such a great four years together. I love you guys. We did it. We started a church together in a comedy club. I can't believe it's only been four years. You guys feel like my forever family. I love the way that we just keep doing this thing together, praising God, learning more about his word, worshiping him with music. I love that we keep doing this on a good day, on a bad day, on an awful day. And I hope we just keep doing it together forever and ever. And God, I hope we are bringing a massive smile to your face. Happy anniversary, Grace Life. Hi, I'm Dan Deems. And I'm so excited that we're commemorating the fourth anniversary of the Grace Life Church. The Grace Life Church in this four years since inception has helped me grow more spiritually in my previous 56 years of life and it's the Grace Life community that has made it happen. From the moment that I come in and first hear Megan in the music ministry's message, they open my heart and it's their music that's like a ship that carries Joe's message for me each week. And it's a message that I experience and I can share with others around me. 
And I thank you for all of you at Grace Life. Well, hello, Grace Life family. It's uh, Pastor Joe and Megan. We're joining you this, this morning through video. We're doing this Zoom actually on Thursday night. But uh, <clears throat> we just wanted to take an opportunity to talk to you guys just a little bit before we go into the, the worship and the word part of our four-year anniversary. And so I know you've already heard a couple of videos from some of our, some of our shepherds. And so I wanted you to hear also from Megan and us. Um, and so we're just going to say a couple of things to you. Megan, the first thing I was thinking about is, um, you know, this is one of the most unique churches we've ever been involved in. You and I worked together at, at Church of the Palms. I've worked at a bunch of churches. You worked at another church. But just tell me what you think makes this one so unique in our church experience. Uh, it's the, I think it's how we're able to, we're not in a building. Um, I don't think... It, we're not. And I, I understand that in the last six months, that's really, we felt the pinch sort of of that. But I do believe one of the most unique factors of Grace Life Church is where we were able to meet and gather on Sunday mornings. And then, you know, throughout the week, we over at the 1900 building, we're over at the Nightlife Center, the physical locations that we do but don't have support one of our core values of being mobile and that was a goal when we met in October or August four years ago yeah you know I, I that's pretty amazing too this is a resilient church right because if you'd have asked any other church to do some of the things we've asked uh, you our congregation to do <clears throat> it would not have gone well <clears throat> and but you guys have the have caught the vision of being mobile organic biblical and generous yeah. and I will tell you I've never been more affirmed in ministry than I am at Grace Life you know what I'm saying? Like, it seems like they, they appreciate so much when, and I don't think they understand it's more of a privilege for us than them. Agreed. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but it's such a unique congregation in that respect. What do you think, um, what has serving Grace Life done for you personally, spiritually? Um, I think, as I was thinking about this question over the last couple of days, and then really with some of the things that we've seen happen through members of our congregation over the last several years, um, I think it's the first time I've really felt what it means to be a part of God's kingdom, mm. what it means for one another, what it means to have extraordinary generosity, what it means to rally around and support through good times and through bad times. And I think, if I, you know, most specifically, if I think about watching what uh, Nehemiah and Meredith have gone through. Yes, they were part of our congregation, but then watching the greater community of, I mean, how many churches all over Sarasota, but then all over the people they've known all over the world. But Mike, you know, the, it was the kingdom of God that came together to surround them. But I see, I wouldn't have known them had it not been for Grace Life Church. And then the way that our brothers and sisters in our community, but I, and I see it not just for myself, you know, personally, spiritually, I see I get to, you know, have this beautiful bird's eye view of watching all of our different sort of groups in the congregation, different friend, friend groups I know who support each other, um, and just these extraordinary ways that um, only God could engineer mm. how people are able to support each other. And so just this glimpse into God's kingdom in action over and over again i've never had i've been going to church and involved in a church since i was a baby i've never once in any church seen god's kingdom move the way that i do at grace life it is it's just such this incredible thing to witness 
You know, the thing that it has done for me personally too, I mean, I have to agree with everything you said and I wish I'd have said it now because mine's not going to be as good as yours, but <clears throat> of course you expected that. But um, here's what I will tell you. I I'm amazed at how much the people in our congregation love truth and mm. they just love to learn. Like, yeah. you know, I've been, I've been teaching the Bible a long time. I've never taught a group of people that are just so hungry for more. I remember I asked you one time, did I put too much Greek in the sermon? You said, no, everybody loves it. Do more. Yeah. <laughs> I said, okay, you don't want to tell a seminary grad to do more Greek. That's dangerous. But um, it's just been like so encouraging for me. Like I love preaching. You know, I don't take very many weeks off. And when I do, I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm going nuts, but because I, I love to teach this group of people because they just love God's word. And so for me personally, it's forced me to make sure I do a better job of preparing and studying yes. yeah. <clears throat> because they expect, they, I, and there's a couple times I'll be writing a sermon and uh, I'll just think, you know what? I'm really tired this week. I'll just do an average sermon this week and mail it in, you know, mail it in. And then I start <laughs> thinking about the people in our congregation that will be upset if I mail it in. And it just gives me this accountability, but yeah, it's, it's been a special privilege serving this church. But I think that's a dynamic that you and I both know I do the same thing when I pick the songs every week. The amount of time that goes into thinking about how they move together and do they, first of all, support God's word and do they affirm God's word and the message that I, I know you're going to deliver and do they support that and will the congregation be able to sort of weave all of these elements together to support the overall knowledge and, and the truth of God's word. And so I know I, I feel I feel the same way. And I think it ties to the privilege that you and I both sort of said we have. I mean, it's it's a privilege. I don't think there's any greater calling in my life than um, to get together to to worship God through music with people every morning. My my grandmother, I know I've shared this story with you. My grandmother was a music director at her church starting in the 1940s and the 1950s. And several years ago, I had the opportunity to see something that she had written when they did like a, an anniversary of her church. And she said um, that God, the world was born in song. And I know the Bible tells us that not only is there music around God's throne all the time, but God sings over his children. And so the privilege to be able to help facilitate any part of that to draw people into a closer connection to God. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's something that it's, it's overwhelming, it's humbling. Um, and to be able to get to do it with this specific group of people, not only the team on the stage between Al and Jeff and Wolf and, and Blair, but then to get to, you know, witness and to hear, I don't know if I ever told you this too, my friend Tim came and came to the church about six or seven months ago. And what he couldn't get over was how much people sing. He's like, you can hear everybody singing. I'm like, you can hear every, and that's what we want. It's an echo of heaven to hear us singing back to God. So I'll tell you at the nightlife center where we're watching you live stream on the screen at the nightlife center, they're all singing. One time, do you remember the week we had the technical glitch and we had to cut the band off because the... Okay. 10,000 quackers. They wouldn't stop singing. The, the people in, the, I said, guys, stop singing. The worship part's over. It's not working. And they just kept singing. So, oh. <laughs> so I don't know if you ever told you that, but 
Um, well, Church, uh, we, uh, Megan and I, we both love you. It's just an incredible privilege to lead you guys each Sunday through worship and word. <clears throat> what we decided to do this week, because, you know, what I'm going through getting over the virus and things like that, we decided, actually, this was Megan's idea. It was a great idea. We're going to replay the very first sermon on the very first Sunday of Grace Life's history, just so we can kind of reflect and think back and give God thanks for what he's done in our congregation since that day. It's been pretty amazing. The people we've reached out to, the people that have reached out to us, the people we've been able to love back. Pretty incredible. Is that Valley barking in the background? We didn't even know what she's barking at. Yes. <laughs> well, that's what we're getting ready to do. Um, I just wanted to take the opportunity. Megan, I haven't seen you actually in person for about four months. It's been a long time. A long time. Yeah. It's it's you. you look very skinny again. <laughs> Are you eating? Not much, but I'm eating some. So, but I'm getting, I'm getting there. Because of this conversation, guys. be 10 casseroles delivered at your doorstep on Monday. Are <laughs> you eating at church? Then food. <laughs> well, church, we're going to start the sermon here in just a few minutes, but we love you. Uh, happy fourth oh. anniversary. And we hope that we can be all together soon. We're working on finding new locations and things like oh. that. Uh, working very hard on it, actually, but I hope you enjoyed this very first. It was from Philippians chapter one, I think, verses one through 13, and it's about Paul talking about how much he loves them. So you'll see that and just know that I want you to hear when I'm preaching it, I'm preaching it to you guys because we do love you very much. Megan, you got one more thing to say or is that it? No, that's it. Thanks. We love you. We miss you. Such a privilege to be able to, to worship God with you and serve his kingdom. Thank you, guys. Love you. Thanks. give to you joyfully and cheerfully and gratefully knowing that nothing that we have we've created of our own we're simply custodians of the things that you have given to us we ask that you take whatever we give you whether it is our time whether it is our talents or our treasures and you use it um, for the glory of your kingdom for the glory of your name we trust and we have confidence in you in the name of your son amen Brothers and sisters, truly my honor and my privilege to invite to the stage Reverend Joseph Davis. I have walk-up music, that's awesome. I'm not going to dance, so you can forget it. I'm not going to dance, so you can forget it. Yes, I like that. If my wife wasn't here, I would dance, but she would kill me otherwise. So, <clears throat> um, My name is Joe Davis. I'm one of the pastors here at the Garden. And, uh, at the Garden. Did I say the Garden just now? <laughs> but you know what? It's okay to say that because that body of believers has a big part in what we're doing here today, and we love them. I'm one of the pastors at Grace Life. <laughs> 
and I'm very excited about it. It's uh, pretty overwhelming. It's a little bit emotional, uh, but it's also very exciting. So today, I'm just going to jump right into it. But before I do, let me just, you guys, I have a staff and a team of volunteers. If you're a Grace Life volunteer or staff, just stand up real quick so everybody that can give you a can. Just your Grace Life staff or volunteer. I've got an amazing team. We got a little feedback in the mic. I've got about 15 people upstairs doing stuff with the children, and so it's an amazing thing. So let's just go right into God's Word. That's where I'm most comfortable at today. Today we're going to be talking about Grace Life. That's the name of the sermon. And uh, what we like to do at Grace Life is whenever we take a passage of Scripture, we're going to break it down into three sections. That's the historical part of the Scripture. What about man? What did he do? Why and how did he do it? Once you understand the history, then you can ask about the theology. What about God? What did he do? And why and how did he do it? And then and only then, after you understand the history and the theology, can you answer the question that's devotional. What about me? What am I supposed to do? And how am I supposed to do it? We'd like to skip right to the devotional without the work on the history and the theology, and that's where people get into mistakes. We're going to look at the history of this first. We're going to be talking about Philippians. Paul wrote the book of Philippians to non-Jewish Christians while he was in prison facing death. And it's mostly to a Gentile group of Christians, people who aren't Jewish or never grew up Jewish. And it's an amazing affection this Jewish man had for these non-Jewish Christians. It's passionate. It's deep. And the speculation is, not only was he in prison, the speculation is, is that it was his second time in prison, which historically would mean he was about to be killed. He's facing death, so his emotions are running high. It's a heightened sense of what's really important for him, if that makes sense. Like, there is no fluff. There is no concern for church politics. There is no concern about whether or not the lyrics will be right or the, or the bulletin will be put forth correctly or if we have enough donuts for everyone, which I'm sure we didn't today, by the way. None of that really mattered to him. There was no arrogance. It was just pure humility and vulnerability to these Christians that he loved. A sense of true mortality had overtaken him, and this love produced this surreal vulnerability, this un this unnatural, supernatural vulnerability. Now, let me tell you about Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus was a man who had taken a gift from the Philippian church, probably some money to support Paul as he was going around planting churches. And Epaphroditus had brought this gift to Paul. And when he brought the gift, he got really sick and Paul thought he was going to die. He got better. And it's this guy, Epaphroditus, who takes the letter that Paul writes in prison back to the church at Philippi. It's pretty amazing, the emotions behind this. Epaphroditus, this guy who loves, almost dies, bringing him a gift. He's better now. He takes this love letter back to the church at Philippi, and he's about to face death himself. He's in prison. It's a very emotional situation. I'm trying to paint a picture for you here that it's the most intense emotional time in Paul's life, maybe other than the moment that God saved him. And so because of that, I want you to make sure that you understand, and we're going to be studying the book of Philippians over the next few weeks it's the greatest example, the greatest literary explanation about how to express real love for God's people. And I'm going to use the example of Paul's love for the Philippians, one that was based upon grace. So I'm just going to read the verse to you. Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, 
with the overseers, in other words, the pastors and the servers, the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, he's in a dark dungeon with chains. Look what he says next. I thank God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God in all of my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. Which is, by the way, the supernatural satisfaction with the presence of God in your life. That's what joy is. Because of your partnership in the gospel from this first day until now. In other words, you guys have been with me from the very beginning. We've been partners, friends, teammates. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all. And he's like, listen, I mean what I say, and it's right for me to feel this affection, this love, because I hold you in my heart, for we are all partakers. And the actual word could also be used as drinkers. We are all drinkers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and also when I was in, out preaching in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and even more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruits of righteousness that come through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. What a tremendous passage. Let's look at the theology of this. Grace transforms our relationship Think about this. Think about what old Paul thought about the Philippians. Before Paul became a Christian, his job was to go and kill Christians. And here's this guy who at first was hired to go and kill people who were claiming the name of Jesus. God saves him. He's very Jewish. He loves his Jewish background and his Jewish heritage. And now he is in love with these Gentile people who don't know anything about the temple. He's in love with them. He's about to die, and he writes them this amazing letter. Can you think about what old Paul would have thought about what new Paul was doing? He would not have liked it. In fact, Paul did not only hate Christians, he hated Jewish people that were Christians. The Philippians are Gentile Christians. Can you imagine what he would have said? And Paul wrote about this theological concept in several places, about how old Paul knew, knew Paul. Matter of fact, and one of them is in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, 17 and 18. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. I want to make sure that you understand that's an important phrase right there, new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation brings us together with God and brings us together with each other. You know what recon reconciliation is? It's grace bringing transformed people together, creating vulnerability, intimacy, and sacrifice. I'm going to tell you that if you don't have those elements in your life when it relates to other Christians around you, you probably don't know Jesus because grace will bring transform people together, creating vulnerability, intimacy, and sacrifice. I love this uh, verse. I'm not going to put it up on the screen. I'm just going to read to it. First uh, John chapter three, fourteen through seventeen. You know what John says? We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love our brothers. Whoever does not abide in love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother, he's like a murderer. 
And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know that we have love, because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to be willing to lay down our lives for one another. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and yet closes his heart to him, how does God's love abide in him? So the theology of it is this. When God applies his grace to your life, he transforms your relationships and he gives you this supernatural, uncanny ability to love people you don't even really know that well. Let's look at the devotional side of this. <clears throat> I believe Philippians 1 is a great description about how God's grace makes me feel about you. How awesome and powerful grace is. Just like Paul didn't like Gentiles before grace transformed him. Without grace, I probably wouldn't like most of you. I mean, look at you. For real. It's a miracle. <laughs> I'll tell you, at Grace Life, when this, when this body of believers began to come together, I started, and I was talking to Daryl, like we started meeting at Panera like about three months ago. We were just talking through this. And I started talking to Daryl. It started to really come together for me how Paul felt and the emotion and the depth and the connection he felt to this Philippian church. And we decided a long time ago we were going to teach on Philippians because of that. It's amazing what Paul feels. And so I realized that Philippians 1 describes what I, as your pastor, feel about you, my new church family. So I'm going to use the text now to break down and express to you how I feel. And then I want to set the expectation. This is important. This is going to be important going forward. I want to set a culture of vulnerability. I want the culture at Grace Life, matter of fact, I want you to be uncomfortable if you're not vulnerable with one another. You follow what I'm saying? Like, man, I better be more vulnerable. These people are really vulnerable. I got to get more vulnerable. You ever heard of that before? Supernatural. All right. So the first thing I want to look at, I'm thankful to God for your part in our lives. He says in verse 3, I thank God upon every remembrance. Every time I think about you Philippians, I thank God. You know what it is? Paul has a recognition that God has given you to us and us to you. I got to tell you, nowhere else could we have gone through what we have as a family than with many of you by our side. And just like Paul remembered the Philippians, I remember you with fondness for your spiritual life. And I promise you, I have a short memory for your weaknesses. See, that's what vulnerability... Vulnerability sets you free from the prison of remembering people's mistakes. Grace sets you free from taking score. Meg and I used to joke we should have an app on our phone to score people's mistakes in church. Some of you would be real big winners, I'm telling you right now. But you see... What grace does is it allows you to have a, a, a long memory for what the great things that God is doing and a short memory for our deficiencies. You know what else? I love to pray for you. Paul says, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for all of you with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. There's a commitment he has, and I'm going to make it to you, to pray for you always in every prayer. 
And there's the joy of praying for you. He says, I pray with you and I think about you and I have such tremendous love and joy in my heart when I pray. And the nature of our prayers, I pray for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. So I'm thankful to God for your part in our lives. I'm thankful that I have a chance to pray for you. I'm going to tell you this too. I clearly see God working in your lives. Some of you I've known for a few years. I've seen God transform you amazingly. Some of you are sitting up here in the front. It's pretty awesome. Here's what he says. Being confident, in verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul's confidence is not in the Philippians' ability to continue to be good Christians. Matter of fact, that's not where his confidence, you know what his confidence is in? I am confident that God who saved you is going to keep saving you, and he's going to keep you saved, and he's going to deliver you perfect and blameless to heavenly dad on that day. And I have such confidence in that because I see so much evidence of God working in your lives. It really amazes me. I sit back and sometimes I think, how did that happen when I'm in the way? He says, I'm encouraged by how God is transforming your lives. I'm confident that it's God in it and it's not up to you. And I have great anticipation of our time together on the day of Jesus. Um, most of you, some of you know Sarah, but most of you don't know my daughter. But you know what? I cannot wait for her to meet you guys. I can't wait. I mean it. I mean, she's going to love you. This very thing, that he who has begun a good work, and you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. See, vulnerability can be uncomfortable sometimes, right? But that's the culture. Here's the last one. I desire, this is a strong desire as your pastor, I desire to see you continue to grow in grace. Look what Paul says, and this I pray. This is how I'm praying for you. Every time when I think of my prayers and I think, pray for you with much joy, every time I pray, here's how I pray. And I pray that you will, your love may abound more. And just in case you didn't know he meant more, he says more and more in knowledge, in wisdom, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense until the day of Jesus Christ, being filled with fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Clearly, this young Grace Life Church family does all of this for me. And there's something supernatural about our relationship that we have with one another because of grace. Because I'll tell you, other than family, and maybe sometimes even more than family, depending on how dysfunctional your family is, grace, (laughs) some of you are laughing, grace, other than family, is the strongest bond that people can have. I haven't known some of you for very long, but I have a strong bond with you. Because love based upon the common ground of the gospel and grace is supernatural. And as Paul says, he is justified in feeling this way about them. He says it in verse 7. This is my last slide. I'm going to have it up there so you make sure it's in your mind. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers, drinkers 
with me of grace. The picture of sitting around, having a good time, and just eating and drinking together. He says, you are all having dinner with me together, and we're eating grace. That's what's for dinner. That could be a commercial. (laughs) Grace, it's what's for dinner. So I am justified in the way I feel about you because we are drinking the cup of grace together. We're all going to be living the grace life together in a culture of intimacy and vulnerability and sacrifice. And there is nothing more powerful, more binding, more stirring than that. Grace gives us freedom to be vulnerable in supernatural ways that will surprise and inspire people looking in. And that's how we're going to grow. We're not going to grow by marketing. We're not going to grow by program. We're not going to grow because of how much money we throw into advertising. We're not going to grow because we have a great band, and by the way, we do. We're not going to grow because of those things. We're going to grow because we love each other, and we're vulnerable, and we sacrifice one another, and people outside are going to say, man, that grace seems like it tastes mighty good. Grace allows us to do something that would be way too risky and vulnerable outside of it. And we can hold each other in our hearts. We're all drinking that fountain of grace together. And I believe this vulnerable community, founded upon grace through the gospel, because of who you are, and I have great confidence in what God is doing in you, I believe we're going to have a huge impact on those around us. Amen? One of the things we do is we say we don't pray because we have to. We pray because we want to. Normally, I just get done preaching and Megan comes up. I feel like praying. Is that all right? All right, Dad, we're just, uh, we're amazed that grace can give us such love for one another. And I pray that our love would bound even more and even more. It would be intimate and vulnerable and sacrificial as we love one another. We pray, God, as we do that, that others would see it and want a piece of that action. Thank you for giving us the grace life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Uh, We are going to sing one final song together. It was helpful to have. Brothers and sisters, thank you so much for taking time on your Sunday to join us together in worship, together to celebrate Grace Life's four-year birthday To reiterate what we said, we thank God every time we remember you and we look forward to knowing and to seeing what God is going to continue to do with us uh, for however many years together, but such a privilege to live the grace life with you. We thank you so much. We look forward to worshiping together with you next Sunday. We continue to keep Pastor Joe and and Laura in our prayers. Um, If you need anything at all, there's like maybe a billion ways to get a hold of us between the Facebook, the Twitters, the emails, all kinds of different things. We would love to serve you as part of God's kingdom. Let us have the privilege of doing that. Have a blessed week. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and may he give you peace. See you next week.